Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that helps newer watch enthusiasts learn from my mistakes while bringing valuable veteran resources to the attention of the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason, and I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome, and if you're returning, welcome back. This week, I discuss why shows like Watches and Wonders are important to new watch enthusiasts, and I'd like to take a minute to explain what one of the newest sponsors of the podcast, the Anti-Watch Watch Club, brings to the table and provides our veteran community and watch enthusiast community. So why do shows like Watches and Wonders matter, especially to a newer watch enthusiast? Well, if you don't know what Watches and Wonders is, it's a it's a trade show going on right now in Geneva, Switzerland. And leading up to the event from some more established watch enthusiasts, I've heard arguments for and against shows like this, or similar shows, you know, and especially this show. But I believe events like these are important, and especially for newer watch enthusiasts. And, you know, like anything out there, this list I'm going to provide you, I'm going to provide you three reasons why is subjective, totally based off my opinion. Um, You can take it or leave it. But I believe if considered, you know, the show, then it can provide insight into why these brand showcases matter and provide value. And often the value that these shows um, provide are less than what is showcased at the event and more in what occurs inside and outside the event itself. But I'll explain that in a minute. So reason number one, well, sheer numbers of watch brands. I mean, by count, there's 48 watch brands there. I'm looking on the website, and there's a bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of brands. And most of them, to me, are entry-level luxury and above. And and the reason why it's important is you have the sheer number of brands, and they're putting out some of their best and newest wares. So just going through the list, there's stuff like Bomb and Marcier, Cartier, Chanel, Chopard, uh, Peck. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, someone correct me. Uh, there's Grand Seiko, Hublot, Hermes, H. Moser, IWC Schaffhausen, uh, Jaeger La Culture, Mont Blanc, Oris, Parmigiani, Patek Philippe, Panerai, Piaget. There's some brands I've never heard of before, Rebellion timepieces. Um, obviously, some of the ones that are standards, Rolex, Tag Heuer. There's one Trilobe I've never heard of. Uh, Tudor, Ulysses Ardan, Vacheron Constantine, Zenith, and Van Cleef and Arpels. And that's just naming a few. But they're, you know, entry-level luxury or luxury brands, and there's tons of them. Now, I think the most important thing is, based off the sheer numbers, if someone attended this event, it would give you the ability to get hands-on with some of these brands, right? You'd be able to go there, handle some watches, uh, try them on, see them in in the metal. And uh, that's my buddy Miguel's term. I've heard him say it a million times from SoCal Watch Reviews. But you'd be able to handle them, see them in the metal, and find out what they're about. And I think that's a better way to kind of jive with the watch than just seeing it in pictures or renders, right? And really, if one attends the event, you get all that by just investing a little bit of planning and travel on your part. And I understand not everybody's budget's the same. I not everybody. I know not everybody can just pick up and go to Geneva. But I think this show or any kind of show, for that matter, if you can get to one, you're going to be able to see a lot of stuff. And it just changes your mind for good or bad on some things. You get to meet some of the people, which I'll talk about in a second. It's just a, a totally good experience. And for this show, the first, according, according to the show sponsors, the first day of the event is for the industry and the other two days are open to the public. So that would be two full days of being able to experience 48 watch brands and trying different stuff on. I think that's pretty good. 
And you know, who doesn't like trying on some awesome, awesome watch stuff. But speaking of watch stuff, this segment is sponsored by Mushi Watch Straps. Mushi Watch Straps is a veteran-owned business and provides well-built and fairly priced NATO straps, two-piece straps, leather and canvas straps, as well as tools, accessories, and storage. As always, feel free to use the code VET10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's Victor Echo Tango 10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. And I'll include a link to Mushi Watch Straps in the show notes. And they can be found at www.mushiwatchstraps.com. And for the record, I don't know if I've ever explained this. I don't get any kickback from Mushi Watch Straps. Uh, the owner was just nice enough to provide me with a discount code for you to use. Uh, but I don't get anything back from it. It's a better-known business. I just wanted to uh, work with them and sponsor and network. And that's what we pretty much did. Speaking of networking, like anything in life, opportunities are what you make of them. So between the brands that are representing at the event, like Watches and Wonders, any media that's there and any content creators that are attending, or just fellow enthusiasts, the opportunity to network at an event like Watches and Wonders cannot be overstated. I mean, when I went to Wind Up in New York City this past October, it was probably the best networking event of my life. And if I'm being honest, I kind of did more of taking the scene in than I did of networking. Next year when I go, I'm definitely going to network like crazy. But I wanted to see what the event was about and kind of get my bearings. But back to the point. Events, for those of us that are not attending, you know what I mean? Like even those of us that aren't going, we're still going to benefit from some networking going on in our absence. I mean, they're going to have um, content creators, like I said before, that are networking right now. And they're going to produce some content around the event for quite a while after the event concludes. So you're going to get, you know, collaborations on media. You're going to get collaborations, on, you know, media, obviously videos. Um, who knows? You might even get some collaborations between brands because maybe some of these brands aren't able to be in the same room at the same time for a while. And this is an opportunity to do that. So, but specifically, well, as a newer watch enthusiast, you'll benefit just from the simple networking going around. So you can benefit by going there and actually networking, or you can benefit by the networking that's going on at the event while you can't be there. And I promise you, like, it, if you're a newer watch enthusiast, you're going to see it. The second that this thing's over, you know, it's happening now while the event's still going on. You're going to have, you know, list of stuff that people like and people don't like. Um, shout out to Rob over at Double Wristing on Instagram. He he basically put out a little note today on Instagram that said, you know, if you hate on every single watch that gets released at this event, you probably should pick up a new hobby. And I totally believe that. I mean, I've seen stuff that I wouldn't personally wear, but I mean, the stuff's cool. And we'll touch on that in the third part, but a lot of cool stuff's getting released. So, you know, you take a real look at some of that stuff. You might be able to like it or dislike it. And that'll be the funny thing about it. Going back to, you know, topic number one is that if you were actually there and you attended it, all those watch brands, you'd be able to see and tell if someone was acting kind of crazy and just saying they didn't like something, but they didn't really see it because if you see something in the, in the metal, you might actually really, really like it. But you're going to get list a uh, list of likes and dislikes. You're going to get hot takes. Some of our favorite personalities are going to network and give us stuff to read, view, and listen. And that's going to go on for months. I mean, if you've been paying attention, you see how much content gets pushed out before the event even happens. People are trying to nail, you know, they're trying to forecast or, you know, predict what's going to pop up. So it's it's a good, it's a good little media cycle. And I think that's the second most important reason to go is that you can network. And primarily, you know, the majority of the people you're going to talk to are either going to be brand people or people that write about the brands or just, you know, do media around the brands. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, a good group of people to network with because you get some you get some good knowledge and some good information. All right, so topic number three. So I've touched on this before about different shows, and you know the only show I've been to so far is Wind Up in New York City, but I plan on going to District Time next year and doing a couple other ones. 
But I think the third most important thing as a new watch enthusiast is how many trends are going to start after this show because it happens, whether it's metals, colorways, movements, you name it. Something's going to capture the imagination of the watch enthusiast space. Other brands are going to get smart and they're going to kind of, you know, pump out stuff based on the fan needs amongst other brands, right? And, and there's going to be some takes, quote unquote, that will be to my taste and some that won't. Ultimately, that's not what it's about. That's not even my concern. I'm simply just concerned about the fact that you're going to have some luxury brands releasing some cool stuff. And we all know there's going to be other brands that copy. When Rolex was doing all the colors on the Oyster Perpetual, I mean, even Zen hopped on colored Zins. And, you know, that's not, I mean, Zen has color sometimes, but not like that, you know. So I enjoy the fact that there are some big brands out there taking risks on stuff that they're going to exhibit. And that can influence the rest of the market. So as a newer watch enthusiast, I just think it's important for you to understand where some of the designs that you like originate from, because usually they come from somewhere else. And it's not really the first thing that you see. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but sometimes you see something and you find out, oh, that's like a, a Speedmaster. That takes elements from the Speedmaster, takes elements from the Submariner. So I think it's just a cool thing to look at and, and pay attention to. You know, I haven't had the opportunity to attend Watches and Wonders yet, but I have attended Wind Up New York City in 2022. And like I said before, it expanded the knowledge, my knowledge of the watch industry so much and the watch enthusiast space because there were so many watch enthusiasts there. Then now I look at everything totally different. And in, in reality, it's made me more patient. Like I just, I don't, I mean, I didn't wig out too much before, but I really don't wig out now because I, I understand like you talk to some of the watch brand people and you realize how hard it is to get certain things made or um, the issues going on with supply system, et cetera, et cetera. So it just expanded my knowledge overall. And I really appreciate that. While I know it's not in the books for everyone to physically attend, I do believe it's important to stop and consider just how important these events are overall to the industry and the hobby we love. You know, they give the watch brands that we like to talk about and wear and stuff the opportunity to showcase new items uh, for us to interact with them and for them to interact with us. And ultimately, we get to sit around for a while afterwards and chew the fat about what was released at the show, which I think is kind of fun to watch and see. Now, I've already seen some cool stuff. I don't want to talk about it because... If the stuff's getting, you know, talked about ad nauseum, I just want to talk about the, the reason why these shows are important. And then lastly, they can influence us on what we will see from other brands in the future. So, you know, the sheer number of brands that go to these shows, the ability to network at these shows, and then the trends that these watches are going to start, I think, are all three good reasons. And they're the reasons why shows like Watches and Wonders are important to the watch enthusiast space as a whole, but especially to newer watch enthusiasts. So just something to think about. Okay, so the veteran resource segment, we're going to discuss the Anti-Watch Watch Club, or AWWC for short. And I'm proud to announce that the AWWC is a new sponsor of the Watch Rolling Podcast. And they're going to specifically sponsor the veteran resource section. So the AWWC is a 501c3 charitable organization, so we're going to discuss what they do and what they bring to the community in today's episode. And then further on, going down the road, I'll just insert you know their little sponsor line in a in the veteran resource section somewhere where it seems like it fits in because it'd be cool. And I'm trying to work on my segue, so you know breaking the fourth wall and let you know that. So what is the AWWC? Well, in their own words, they're not a strap company, they're not an apparel company, they are not a watch company. They're just a tribe of like-minded individuals who 
took their passion of horology and wanted to apply it in a meaningful and impactful way. And that's part of the reason why I really reached out to them to do a, a sponsorship and a, and a, you know, basically a, a professional relationship because I took a while to figure out how I could talk about watches and relate it to the veteran community I love and the active duty community. And it and sounds and, and speaking to some of the individuals, it sounds like they've done the same thing. So they are a registered 501c3 nonprofit. They support veteran uh, veterans, law enforcement officers, active duty, first responders. That's a centric organization. And they provide monetary, social, humanitarian, and emotional support to those in need. And what they do is they utilize a drop culture. So if anyone's a little bit older and doesn't understand what that means, well, number one, the best way to paraphrase it is you got a grandkid or a younger person in your life, ask them. They'll be able to explain it more. But basically the drop culture is they do stylized retail sales and they develop end-based user products to keep the lights on. So what they do is, you know, they, they're going to release, say, for example, a hoodie, and then you can pre-order the hoodie or straps with another organization. And they, you know, you can do pre-orders on that. So they know how many that to order. And they'll do a drop. The drop will run out. Sometimes they'll bring back other items and sometimes they won't. You know, the, the board is comprised of seven professional leaders from different industries and they want to make the nonprofit as unorthodox as possible, but using hierology as a focus. And then they have three managing partners, two senior partners, a total of seven board members. And then all the proceeds from the AWWC go to a veteran or first responder charity of choice and also towards operating cost and product development because, you know, they're going to have to put some money into the stuff that they're going to sell. And then if they go to different events and stuff, you know, obviously pay for it. But the majority of the money goes to the, all the proceeds go to the charity that they're going to invest the money into. So I think that's pretty important. No one gets a salary or compensation at the, at the AWWC and they work pretty long hours, but they also work in conjunction with several, you know, they work with several special operations, people, firefighters, EMT, medical personnel, personnel, law enforcement officers, all level of the field from state, municipal and federal and they do that to develop stuff like the Decon 1 strap, which I have, which is a rubber NATO great strap. And then they also did the Decon 2. I mean, just a bunch of stuff. And the AWWC's motto is Acta Non Verba, which is Latin for deeds, not words. And they're really big on people going out there, you know, and using their stuff. And I think that's an important thing when you're wearing this kind of things. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to go out and use your stuff. You want to get it dirty. You want to beat it up. And they provide pretty good stuff. I know that between the Decon 1 and the Decon 2, they took a bunch of feedback and improved the Decon 2. I got the Decon 2, but I gifted it to Alex from the Army in Time podcast because he he was in the middle of his mill-to-mill move and it was a real pain in the butt. He couldn't really get a like a legit address, so I took care of it for him. And then just to discuss some of the donations and the charitable organizations, or sorry, the, the organizations that the AWWC has provided money to, um, I'm going to include all the links in the show notes, but they've provided money to the Hunter Sanford Foundation, the Operation 300 Foundation, the Brother and, Brothers in Arms Foundation, the Community Renewal Team, the Send Me Outdoors, and there's all, they've also done stuff like provide flowers. So for Hunter Hunter Seven Foundation, um, that is a it's a foundation that provides support. We discussed them before to you know cancer people dealing with cancer, medical funds, and all medical bills and all that stuff around cancer for special operations and military people. And I'm really paraphrasing that, but they donated $1,050 to the Hunter Seven Foundation. And they also donated uh, over $2,000 to the Operation 300 Foundation. And that was in support of Chief Special Operator Aaron Vaughn. And then they donated $1,200 to the Brother in Arms Foundation, which we discussed them in a previous episode as well. 
and then the community renewal team, which is pretty cool because uh, the community renewal team provides uh, thousands of individuals and families every single year with access to resources that will help them meet immediate and long-term needs and help them improve job skills, maintain and increase their independence and help stabilize their living situation and also achieve some educational goals that they need. So, you know, very much um, about, I mean, literally it's in the name, the community revival team, right? Renewal team. They want to renew the community. And then they also provided some money to the Send Me Outdoors Foundation, which is basically a foundation that tries to get veterans um, inside, from inside of the house, outside doing stuff like in the forest and stuff like that. So, and then they also do stuff like provide flowers to people that need stuff um, or in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it's just the AWWC is an awesome organization. And I think it's something um, totally worthwhile because I haven't seen too many 501c3 that actually don't take the money and do something else with it. So these guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing with the money. And then just to kind of give you a brief overview of some of the stuff in their catalog, because you can go get some now. Right now, there's a 4,000 follower raffle going on. You can still get tickets. They're 10 bucks a piece. First place is a Pagoda Tattoo Charlie White Dial watch. Uh, second place is a Winfield MT Tac 1 watch. And then third, they have their glow-in-the-dark Nalgene bottle. Uh, I have the Woodland Brown one. I was a CBR guy for a long time, so I'm pretty sure I glow-in-the-dark anyways, so I didn't really need to get a glow-in-the-dark bottle. And then a glow-in-the-dark Mori Challenge coin. Where if you've seen my Instagram, you've seen that Mori coin in the back. Well, this one's got glow-in-the-dark stuff. Um, I ordered one. I can't wait for it to show up. Ten bucks a raffle. They have a pre-order Alpha India Alpha Tango Tango Foundation flannel. Pretty nice. It's got the AWWC logo on it. You can get the uh, Anti-Watch Watch Club written on the back or not. Sewn in. They have some 32-ounce Nalgene bottles. They have a bunch of challenge coins. Some dad hats that just went on sale. Uh, the Decon NATO rubber-inspired watch strap Decon 2. If you guys know Alex over at Army and Time, hit him up. He can tell you how much he likes it because he does. And they got some flask and some long sleeve t-shirts, some short sleeve t-shirts, some windbreakers and some hoodies, and then um, some t-shirts and then patches and stuff if you're a person that likes to go rucking. So, and that's just wrapping up the AWWC and what they bring. I'm, I'm really happy to have them on board as a sponsor. Um, again, they are a 501c3 charitable organization. I'll include all the links in the show notes. I invite you to go check them out. And then I noticed one other thing that I haven't done in a while before I get into the closing thoughts. There's a link in my show notes to the Veterans Watchmakers Initiative, and it's the donation link. Again, I don't get any money for that. If you want, if you use that link and go donate, nothing comes to me. Uh, I just haven't mentioned them in a while, and I'm going to start mentioning them someplace in the show every single week again because I want to keep, I want to keep the word out for this school. And the Veterans Watchmakers Initiative, quick paraphrase is, it is a school that teaches disabled veterans the art of watchmaking. And I'm not talking about like assembling a watch. I'm talking. You know, they give them, they bring them in, they pass the dexterity test. They're able to stay for the six-week watch technician course. They have, um, you know, food, room and board there for them, paid for. They just have to pay for the travel to get there. If they pass the watch technician course, they can be recommended for the watchmaker's course, which is 16 months, followed by a three-month apprenticeship. And then they work to get them um, job jobs afterwards in the watchmaker industry. So... And I, I spoke to numerous watchmakers at the Wind Up Watch Fair in New York City that said we try to hire the people from that school. So, again, the Veterans Watchmakers Initiative, VWI, are located out of Odessa, Delaware. Awesome school. Started by Joseph Pivolova in the 1940s. 
to teach disabled veterans from World War II the art of watchmaking. Please check it out. There's a link. I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, my tour article on the website. Go and just please go check them out. Support if you can. Every little bit helps. All right. This week's closing thoughts. I appreciate you tuning in to episode 48. I want to be full disclosure. I recorded a whole other episode and I kept saying episode 49 and it bothered me so much. I came back and re-recorded the whole thing because I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pump out episode 48. Be calling it 49 the whole time. It was driving me crazy. I wanted to give you guys the good stuff. So this week's positive affirmation. If you stay true to yourself, then I really believe that the right, you're going to attract the right people to you. And by right people, I just mean the people that line up with you. I think if you just present who you are unabashedly all the time, and that doesn't mean be a total D bag, just do what you got to do. Be yourself, be a kind person, stay true to your principles. And I think you'll just attract like-minded people. I don't even like that term too much, but people who, you know, you can agree to disagree with and have good camaraderie in your life. So stay true to yourself and you will attract the right people. And remember at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you.